Welcome to the Sober Yoga Girl podcast with Alex McRobbs, international yoga teacher and sober coach. I broke up with booze for good in 2019, and now I'm here to help others do the same. You're not alone, and a sober life can be fun and fulfilling. Let me show you how. All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Sober Yoga Girl. I am super happy to be sitting down with Amy Guerrero today. And Amy is another conscious sober woman. So welcome, Amy. How are you? Mm, I'm doing really well. We're recording today as the new moon rises in Libra. And so I've been, I woke up very early this morning and did some like letting go and calling in underneath the stars and feeling really connected to all the things today. Oh, that's beautiful. You know, I don't follow the moon cycles as much as I should, um, because I know a lot of people follow them and talk about them in, uh, in yoga. Um, but our new moon is, it's like an opportunity for like rebirth. Is that what you would say? Or what would you, what's the significance? Yeah, I cycle with the moon too. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm usually bleeding with the new moon. And so it's something that I've always like really been in touch with, even when I was at my heaviest of heavy drinkings. Yeah, it's a really great time to say like, okay, this is what I want. This is what I want to bring to life. And, you know, literally as I'm shedding the, you know, the lining of my uterus, I'm like, oh yes. And I get to bring so much to life yeah through this because that's i mean the womb space is the birth space right yeah. i mean it's where we create life and so um yeah and i ovulate with the full moon so i'm always like oh god i just want to like be penetrated by the world right now what can i create <laughs> and da, 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 da. yeah so <laughs> so fun that's amazing well i need to do after this call i'll have to do some letting go and some uh some manifestation journaling yeah Yeah. Yeah. That's what I did. I wrote five things that I was, you know, grateful for it. I was going to bury in a plant and then five things that I was calling in the season. Yeah. And the seasons are changing for us, those of us in the both hemispheres. So great. So tell me a bit about yourself, kind of where are you located? You know, what are your hobbies, whatever kind of makes you unique? Yeah. Um, I moved from California. So I grew up in Texas. I Mm -hmm. lived in California all of my adult life, San Francisco. And then I moved down to Topanga Canyon for the last five years. And I just bought a house across the street from my parents. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, talk about like really being transformed in, in a life of recovery, Mm -hmm. you know, my ability to live across the street from my folks is a big deal. (laughs) So I knew it was time for me to expand. And um, I had no idea it was going to bring me here. I know I'm here for a reason. I'm not sure how long I'll be here. I'm not sure what my next step is that I know that this was like all meant to be. So I just moved here in June. Wow. And I've been practicing yoga for over 22 years. I'm a you know, that's one of my big hobbies is movement through Mm -hmm. breath and sound. And I love music, like live music is definitely my jam. Um, Funky, weird, like yummy stuff. I I really dig. Um, I've been into like clean eating and like just, you know, different, like exploring life from a different lens. I grew up in a big Mexican family where everyone stayed and had babies and did the thing. And I 
I had decided pretty early on that's not the life that I wanted to live. Um, and so I went on a big ass exploration. And San Francisco was just like such a perfect place for me to just really expand and try all the things and do all of the things. And and it's so fun to be back in Texas in this really small, very conservative town that is mostly like fishermen and people over 60. And like, it's just so funny because I'm regulated enough to be here. And I know I'm here for a reason. It's so different than the life that I had in California. So definitely in a transition and feeling all of that as well. Wow. Yeah. Sounds like a big time for you. It is a big time. Yeah. I mean, I knew I was ready. I, the the pandemic and the and the isolation was something that I think, oh, hi, baby. <laughs> yes. Was something that was such a breeding ground for me to feel safe to slow down mm-hmm. and be more in my feminine and more of my creative and and to open up these parts of me that had been shut down for so long. That really did lead to the way that I drank and used for sure. Right. Um, yeah. So now I'm like, I have a view of the water, like on all of my windows of my whole entire house and a little saltwater pool that I like above ground saltwater pool that I put in. And I'm just wow. like, oh, I can just be in the dreaminess of, you know, still like isolation. I live, I like to live away from people now that I yeah. lived in San Francisco for so long, but also with all the things that comfort and nourish my, my body. Yeah. Wow. All oh, that's beautiful. Mm, thank you. Yeah. It's been a great change of pace and it's so fun to get to know my parents. We haven't lived in the same state in over 20 years. And so it's like, hi, who are you? What are you all about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So tell me a bit about your drinking. When did you start drinking? I started drinking when I was like 11 or 12. Wow. Um, really young. Yeah. Yeah. I think at first, you know, like it was sneaky and fun Mm -hmm. to do it at people's houses. And then by the time I was like 14, it was full on like fun. Like that's how we connected. That's what we did. And then, you know, 16, 17, 18, you know, it was just like a way of life. Like all of our parents knew we were drinking already and it was, it just became it was normal Texas, you know, like barbecues and, you know, watching football and, and all of the things. And because I had already experienced so much dysregulation in my nervous system, when I found alcohol, it helped me feel really safe. Mm-hmm. It helped me feel more comfortable in my body. And, you know, listeners, you get it. Like yeah. you felt that too. It was like that rush of, ah, okay. This helps me experience life differently. I definitely started to have negative consequences from it right away though. And was able to, because I had such a healthy lifestyle, I was able to manage the negative consequences for a really, really long time. Cause I didn't stay stopped drinking until I was 40, 40 years old. Like I started getting sober when I was 37. So I drank for a really long time and, you know, mostly successfully, like it managed my emotional pain and my emotional trauma in a way that helped me not want to kill myself all the time. So, you know, I'm not mad at alcohol in any way, shape or form. 
it did it stop working for me? Was it sustainable? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. But I also am very grateful for it because it helped me. You know, I would not, I was super, I've been super successful in my life. I've been an entrepreneur for a really long time. And I don't think that I would have had the nervous system capacity to, um, to move through it without it. No one yeah. was giving me, well, I had yoga, I had breath work. I, I was introduced to all of that stuff really young as well. But of course, nothing worked faster than alcohol. Right. And so tell me yeah. how, how did it escalate over time? I got an, I got an idea around, it started formulating around 35 when I went to yoga teacher training. I was, I had been practicing for about 10 years and I was like, mm-hmm. all right, like I started another business and I was like, what am I doing? Like, I am not really fulfilled. What is happening here? So this was around 35. I went to yoga teacher training. I took some months off of like real work. And that's when I started to figure out like, oh my gosh, like I've got a lot of unprocessed trauma, mm-hmm. a lot of unprocessed trauma. And thank God for yoga because it was keeping it at bay as well. But during teacher training, I went to Bikram teacher training, which was traumatizing wow. in itself. Yeah. And I stopped practicing Bikram or like the typical 26 and two after I got sober because I realized that it was so much of that type of masculine, like archetypical things that were keeping me in these very rigid patterns that never agreed with my nervous system. So when I came back from teacher training, I kind of ditched my life and, and started doing as yoga teachers, like we could trade lives. So I gave my apartment, my car to someone. And then I went to new Orleans and took someone else's life. And I did this with different lives throughout the United States. I'm like, Hey, I have a badass apartment in San Francisco. Come stay in it. I'm going to have your life. You have my life. Like we, and I would teach. And so I was making money and, and doing this thing. And, and that's when the emotional pain and the emotional trauma started to get more real. Cause I was out of my everyday life. So I, I got this idea that I was going to heal all of my trauma before I turned 40. And around 37, I got very serious about it and went and found my birth mom and had this whole like list of things that if I could do those things, then I was going to be okay. And on that journey, I got chemically dependent on alcohol. So I woke up literally shaking without the ability to to change it unless I drank more or went to the hospital to have a detox. So my first at-home self-detox was in 20, December of 2013. And then um, it was in 2014. And then I'd found my birth mom blah, blah, blah. But it, all I did was go towards the alcohol because although I was practicing yoga, eating good, da, 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 nothing worked faster. And when I became chemically dependent on it, it was so confusing because that wasn't a part of the plan. I was just going to heal my trauma. <laughs> right. And yeah. then all of a sudden I was like, in my chemical dependency on it, like the way that I became dependent on it was so scary for me because I could not ever drink alcohol again safely. Right. But I didn't know how I was going to live if I didn't have my favorite coping mechanism. And so it escalated quickly at that point. And then I became suicidal because I, the rigidity of the systems that were being taught to me in treatment centers and different recovery programs were more of the same that I already had already been beating myself up over for years right. and years and years. So it, 
I'm like, this feels like shame and guilt. And I'm very familiar with how to do that and how to do it in that masculine like way. Right. So I felt really lonely and I pretended to like connect with the communities, but I wasn't really connecting with them. Like one of my treatment centers, the very first one that I went to, I started writing what I call like these regrooving methodologies of how I was going to get sober and they stopped and do it in a way that felt good to me, which of course, like therapist, all of the things were like, it's not going to work. It was really hard. It was a really rough couple of years, like in and out of hospitals all the time in and out of like eight different treatment centers, wow. walking around the streets of San Francisco, sexually assaulted, no shoes, like wristbands oh on my wrist. Like it was really, oh. I really explored like the yuck of the yuck. Mm-hmm. And I could pull it together like pretty easily when I would sober up because I was so used to masking my pain. Right. So people thought like, oh, she's got it. Like, she's fine. And I was like, yeah, whatever. Like, until the next time I try to not be here anymore, next time it's going to work. And it was a rough, rough, rough time. And so that's why I'm so passionate about this space and how I deliver information about recovery because that's the stuff that people die over that shame, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's not like that for everyone. It was just going to be my path. And I, I mean, as much as painful as it was, Looking back on it, I also did it very gracefully and then like re-emerged into the world with a lot of grace as well. So tell me about that. Like, what was the turning point for you? I was here in, in the town that I now live in and my parents were just not, I mean, I think I had tried again to, to not wake up and it didn't work. And my just looking at my parents' faces, I was like annoyed. <laughs> I was just like, oh my gosh, like I've got to go do something about this. And so I just made the decision. I was like, I'm going to treatment and I'm going to stay stopped and I'm going to start a business helping other people figure this out. Like I was very clear. And I had all these notebooks and all of these binders and I got on a plane. It was, a, yeah, I blew over a four that day. I put all the the, uh, papers on the desk of the psychiatrist while they were doing intake. And I was like, you have to let me do it my way. Like, I cannot keep living like this. And I have a plan. When I sober up, you can listen and decide if you want to hold space for me to be able to do this. And they were very helpful. They gave me more space. I didn't have to go to all the groups. And so I was able to start writing, finishing up a couple of courses that I was in. And I mean, I'm an entrepreneur, you know, like, right. I, you know, like that spirit needed to be alive and, and be a part of my recovery. And they listened to me and I was just like a really good client did all the things I needed to do. And, and then when I left there three months later, I started a business supporting people. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And so, t- yeah, and I had decided I was done. <laughs> And so tell me about like, what is it in your business that you do? How do you help people? I help people get to the root cause of why they used and drank the way that they did to really experience like a next level of of consciousness um, to embody what recovery is. Right. To not just say it, 
Uh, I mean, you've felt your way through life, I imagine, as as well. And what I've listened to what you've said, you know, I'm like, I feel that from you. Yeah. And so I had that gift of being able to speak through my body. You know, when you're teaching a, a group of people in a yoga room, you're not talking to their minds, you're talking to their bodies. You know, mm-hmm. I'm studying every little fidget and move and I'm like, oh, that's interesting. You know, what can I, how can I support them right now to let that go? Mm-hmm. without saying unclench your fist or unclench your jaw. And so a lot of my, the way that I meet people is to help them understand they have a body mm-hmm. because they don't often know that. And then to support them to embody why they got sober. Cause if we, my, my whole thing was if I continue to focus on the alcohol and the substance, then that's what it's going to become about. That's what my neural pathways are going to think about. But when I take the substance was yet, but just the way to cope. And so when I focus on my body and what my body always wanted, then everything started to open up for me because I realized that I'd been feeling these sensations and this discomfort since I was like, before I was verbal, I was already uncomfortable. I was constipated and and out of the hospital as a child. Right. And so I was already experiencing that dysbiosis in my gut, all the things that I teach now. Wow. Yeah. I think if I put it very simply for the listeners, it's like I teach a bottom up. Like I start with your body and then we change your mindset instead of yeah. like, let's change your mindset. But I know that if your nervous system isn't regulated, anything I say is not going to go in. Right. Yeah. It's so amazing. The use of the yoga and mindfulness and, and all these things fusing together, because it really is such a, um, like, I feel like there's so much of the, the, the journey that for me has been about like my spirituality and my yoga practice and the body mind connection. And so the way you draw on that, it's just, um, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I was so grateful my experiences with yoga well before I even knew that I was going to live a life without alcohol. Yeah. You know, that was not a part of my plan. And when it happened, I was like, oh, that was the missing piece. I, the movie, the matrix, I often um, say the experience was like when Neo gets like plugged into the, uh, whatever he gets plugged into, he's like, I know jujitsu. I felt like when I got sober, like really, really sober. I was like, every self-development, every course, it just like downloaded into my body. Mm -hmm. And I just had all this access to it. And I was like, oh my gosh, I knew jujitsu. (laughs) And so I started sharing it with everyone because I was like, this is, it's a missing piece. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so um, what was the, the best and the hardest parts of sobriety for you? the hardest part of sobriety in those two years were feeling like there was only one way to do it yeah or I was gonna die right like the conditioning of the rigidity of the masculine systems in this world is something that I'm you know always have been pushing up against and so that was the hardest part of of living sober one moment at a time and that really messed with my head and my body um the best part is getting all the downloads. It was like, none of it was for nothing. All of it was for something. And every single thing that I've done led me here. 
And so that's why I like when people are really angry at alcohol, I'm like, oh, well, you're angry at something else that's deeper than that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, yeah, I mean, I think very fondly of a lot of the times that I had and it worked and then it stopped. Yeah. Yeah. And I think being in deep celebration of this fun that I had with it is a big part of my recovery. You know, when all of my friends are doing their thing, I'm that they still do. I'm like very much into live music and there's a whole scene that goes around that. Although so many of my friends are now sober too, which is so cool. But I sometimes look at pictures and I'm like, Oh, I remember what it's like to not be conscious. <laughs> right? Like I want sometimes I feel that yearning for it and I allow it to be there. I don't make it wrong. I'm like, Oh, that mm-hmm. makes so much sense that I yearn to dissociate because I used to dissociate a lot. But now right. I, I can yearn for it and I can be in the embodiment of it of like, it's safe to yearn for it. I'm not going to go drink. That's mm-hmm. the silliest thing ever. But I'm not going to make this feeling wrong or shame myself or say that I need to go like talk to 10 people about it and blah, blah, blah. Like, no, I know what it is and I'm allowed to feel it. And I will even say it out loud to my friends. I'm like, oh my God, it looked like you had so much fun at Dick's for Fish this weekend. I could just like, that you were on this and that and it looks so much fun and they're like yep that's what was happening like we missed you and I'm like I I just can't hang with you like that anymore and then it's okay to call it you know yeah it doesn't mean I'm gonna relapse yeah yeah I um I often think about like the person that I was in my drinking days like if I had never been her then I just wouldn't be who I am today, you know? And so I don't have regrets from that time. And I, I, I just look back on it nostalgically, you know? Yeah, totally. Yeah. I still have like some dresses that like I would go out and dance in and have such a good time in. And, and every once in a while I'm doing my own little dance party, I'll put them on and I'll <laughs> like allow myself to remember, yeah. to even remember not remembering. Like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So I have one more question for you, Amy. If you had any advice for someone who wants to quit drinking, what would it be? Yeah. So I think there's two things that I would have wanted to hear mm-hmm. if I would have like someone was coaching me to stop before it got as bad as it did. One, like what, why? What, how is alcohol affecting you for real? Like, can you, can you get really honest? Can you find a safe, nourishing place to just really write down the truth of what alcohol, how my question to myself is like, what is your relationship with it? And I do that with everything in my life. You know, like, what is my relationship to this? What's the truth that only me and this thing know? Yeah. So getting really honest. And then if you decide that you like really want to change your relationship with it, advocating from that place, you are your best advocate. No one gets to tell you how you pause, how you stop, how you decide to be abstinent from it. Right. Like my one thing is like advocate for yourself. When I worked in treatment centers, that was what I taught people to do was to advocate for themselves. Mm-hmm. And it's so extremely important. Yeah. 
Awesome. Well, Amy, thank you so much. It was so nice to meet you. So wonderful to sit down with you and hear um, your story. And I really appreciate your time today. Yeah. I'm sorry. Hold on one second. I can't hear you for some reason. Oh, so I think it's me. Yeah. My cat is just now crawling around. <laughs> oh, I love it when cats crawl around. <laughs> I could see her. Is it a her or him? It's a her. It's princess. Yeah. I could see princess's um, whiskers on the other side of your microphone. Yeah. <laughs> I was just saying, Amy, thank you so much for sharing your journey and your story today. I really appreciate it. And it was really wonderful to sit down and chat with you. Yes. Thank you. I appreciate you so much and love your energy. So feeling us. Yeah. Thank you. You as well. Thank you. All right. Take care and we'll speak soon. Okay. Bye now. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Sober Yoga Girl with Alex McRobbs. I am so, so grateful for every one of you. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss the next one and leave a review before you go. See you soon. Bye.